check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome one and all to episode six of A Toast to the A-Town, presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. This is an all-star edition of the show, so we'll spend a little extra time together. And with apologies to Thomas Wolf, our theme today is that you can go home again. Just keep that in mind. I'm your host, Andre Aldridge. The All-Star Game and the condensed All-Star festivities will take place here in Atlanta on Sunday, March 7th. A little bit later, we'll be joined by a special guest who has an awesome All-Star experience to share with us from his time as an Atlanta Hawk and a performance in front of his home crowd that will live on forever in NBA history. No All-Stars this season for the Hawks, which we touched on in the last episode of the podcast. Of course, when this week began, with the Hawks set to start a two-game series in Miami, they were a 14-19 and team, which actually factored heavily into zero All-Stars. And in a bottom-line wins and losses business, after suffering another disappointing loss on Sunday to the Heat, GM Travis Schlink fired head coach Lloyd Pierce following the Hawks' Monday morning practice. The timing is never good when these things happen, and this one checked all of those boxes. Two games left on the road trip, two games left before the All-Star break. But that's the GM's prerogative. Later on Monday, associate head coach Nate McMillan agreed to become the Hawks' interim head coach. It was back in May of 2018 that LP agreed to a three-year deal to become the Hawks' head coach, with the team holding an option for a fourth year. The expectations for this season? Playoffs. And that was before the team had spent one penny this past offseason. The reality is John Wooden couldn't have been successful here with all of the games lost to player injuries this season. New addition Chris Dunn has yet to play one game. Bogey Bogdanovich, who signed a four-year, $72 million deal, has missed 26 games so far. Danilo Gallinari, who signed a three-year, $61.5 million contract, has missed nine games. And most devastating of all is the at least couple of months that DeAndre Hunter will be out for knee surgery. And with all of that said, excuses aren't accepted. So someone has to take the blame for a team that had lost 11 of 15 with the defeat in Miami on Sunday night. In essence, former Hawk and current 76ers head coach Doc Rivers had the best analysis of the situation in feeling for Lloyd Pierce. Doc said, I just talked to him five days ago. He just had a brand new baby. This is a tough business, man. It's tough. I've always thought it was really difficult in a rebuild. Doc Rivers went on to say, most of the rebuilds, unfortunately, go the way of Lloyd Pierce. You're in the middle of the rebuild, and then you blame the coach for the losses that you had no chance to win. Unfortunately, that's just the way it's worked in the league. Now, I'll let that be the last word on LP on the podcast and turn the focus back to the players. Now, it's really on them right now. Let's talk about that Sunday night game in Miami a little. The Hawks trailed by 10 at halftime, 54-44, despite the Heat playing without Jimmy Butler. But when I say you can go home again, John Collins proved that in Miami, and this wasn't the first time he did that. He was a perfect 4-4 from the floor in the second quarter, or that halftime deficit would have been even larger than 10. And in the third quarter, John Collins absolutely put the Hawks on his back. He played both ends of the floor, and scored 19 third-quarter points. Only Joel Embiid has scored more points against the Miami in a quarter this season, when he had 20 back on January 12th during the Sixers win. So with Collins doing what he did, the Hawks were only down by one point when the fourth quarter started. 
but John only had three shots in that final quarter. He missed a short hook with three minutes, with about eight minutes left. He made a huge three-pointer to tie the game at 95 apiece with three and a half minutes left. But the Hawks were down by seven when he took his next jumper, which he missed. Trey Young had a crucial turnover when he tried to find John on a lob with two minutes and 24 seconds left and the Hawks trailing by just two. The Heat turned that turnover into a Kendrick Nunn three-pointer. Trey had a tough shooting night, making just three of 14 shots against Eric Spolstra's Miami defense. Final score on Sunday, Heat 109, Hawks 99. John Collins finished with 34 points and 10 rebounds. The Hawks have to figure out how to keep feeding John Collins, certainly while they're short on bodies, and big picture, if he's going to be around long-term, to be as good as he can possibly be. With JT facing restricted free agency, is that until this offseason or the trade deadline in a few weeks? This is also at the prerogative of the GM. Now, the Hawks are actually playing four straight games in Florida, their second dance with the Heat on Tuesday night before facing the Magic in Orlando on Wednesday, and then to start the second half of the season, a trip to Tampa on March 11th to battle the Raptors. Of course, the next action at State Farm Arena here in Atlanta will be the all-star activity this weekend. The coach for the East, or the team Kevin Durant selects, will be Doc Rivers. And it's really no surprise that one of the greatest Hawks point guards has gone on to be an equally successful head coach. Least of all surprising to any of his former teammates, one of whom will be my special guest in a couple of moments. Now you'll hear how Doc was not just a coach on the floor as a point guard, but a coach after practice with the younger guards he played with. Now Doc's lone all-star appearance as a player happened in 1988 when he represented the Hawks in his hometown of Chicago. Atlanta's Mike Fratello was the Eastern Conference coach, of course. That weekend, uh, I didn't mean to see, of, of course, Mike, like Mike was it every year. Of course, that weekend in Chicago uh, was most remembered for the slam dunk showdown that Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan had when Dominique was robbed. And two years before that, my special guest today also beat Dominique in the slam dunk competition. But this one was fair and square. Although, to make it even more spicy, he was also an Atlanta Hawk. He was Nick's teammate. And here's the beautiful thing for our purposes. He's not taller than you are. That's right. Whoever you are, you, right now, listening to my voice, I can promise you that you are taller than a slam dunk champion. All right, let's get to the good part the absolute best part of episode six of a toast to the a-town which means the, the special guest is about to come in and um uh before i bring him in again the theme of this episode really is you can go home again we kind of made that clear with uh, our talk about john collins a little bit earlier but uh since the all-star weekend the all-star day is coming up in atlanta and on Sunday, there will be a slam dunk competition. No All-Star Saturday night again with no fans there. And again, All-Star Weekend, as we've talked about during this episode, really all about the fans. But hey, we're in a brand new world. Things are completely different. We understand all that. So we're dealing how we're dealing. So there will be a slam dunk competition on Sunday. And I figured that what better person to talk to right now on this episode than a former slam dunk champion. As a matter of fact, one with ties into the Atlanta Hawks because... In 1986, he won it all. 
and he wore it all at the height of five feet seven inches tall. So he really needs no introduction. Uh, he also is the biggest Dallas Cowboy fan in the history of the world. I know that's saying a lot, but I've known him a long time, and I know from what I'm talking. So let's bring him right now. We'll talk a little football, too, but it's really all about basketball. As we say, thanks for joining us, and welcome to uh, Anthony Spud Webb. Spud, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, A. <laughs> so, so, and you know, I'm not lying to you about the Dallas Cowboys, right? You, 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 you talk my ear off about them. You're, you're from Dallas, so what else? What other ways are supposed to be, right? Right, it's the only it's the only team I know. It's America's team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not going to spend thirty minutes on America's team or talking about quarterback Zach or anything. We're talking about you today. So, uh, first of all, how you doing, man? Because uh, you know the the whole world knows as I'm talking to you right now. Uh, the entire state of Texas uh, uh, dealing with the power outages and, and, and you know water and, and how are you doing and your family down there? Well, I'm I'm pretty blessed, man. Uh, didn't get the, the lights cut off or the water. Uh, my mom's house, lights, water. Uh, no, the, didn't go off. Uh, we don't have to boil the water. Okay. Or, you know, people down the street or people in the next city. You know, some still don't have lights, water. Wow. Still boiling water, man. It's pretty sad. But, uh, I'm, you know, blessed to be here. We've been out trying to help uh, with the Food Bank of America here with our Texas Legends. Um, but our G League team for the Mavericks, we out in the communities is trying to help. And you've been affiliated with the Texas Legends for for forever, man. So I, I know that's a big part of what you're doing. And I can just tell you on a, a personal level, you know, uh, uh, my late parents were were, were both uh, or were both from the great state of Texas, and mm -hmm. they were the only members of their families that migrated west when a a, a lot of our people went west to California. <laughs> Uh, looking for things. So every summer of my life growing up, we got in the car from Southern Cal and, and drove out to the Lone Star State. So uh, so, I've, so I've got a little bit of a tie-in with you, too. You You're a good man. That. I know you was a good man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to 1986, man. No, let's go back before 1986. Let's take you back to uh, a, a senior at Wilmer Hutchins High School there mm -hmm. in Dallas. You're a five-foot-three-inch senior, Spud, and uh, if, first, if if five three, right, right, right. Look, look, I'm six two on my license because I can add that half inch because I know that you kind of, you know, you always go up a little bit, brother. But you had never dunked a basketball until your senior year in high school because you still can't palm a basketball. So what was it like to finally get that dunk in that senior year in high school? Well, like I say, it's um, I didn't dunk till you know like the summer before my senior year, and you know you got kids that dunk in the ninth grade now, but I was. I mean, if I was 4'11", 4'10", you know, you try to say you're taller so you can get a scholarship or some, somebody, you try to fool somebody into taking you in. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Wilma Hutchins, man, Dallas, uh, we had a, a mostly football state, so, you know, people would come out to watch a high school football game uh, before they watch an NBA game. So that show you what the state of Texas is about football. We're crazy about our football. And I tell you, the other thing to think about for me is it's, it's kind of a theme that went on forever because you can't dunk. I mean, because you can't palm a basketball mm -hmm. because of your height, uh, the bounce, the backboard. Mm -hmm. and, and that was always a part of what you were doing dunk wise. Right. Yeah. I tell, uh, you know, guys all the time, man, I wish I could palm the ball. Maybe I could, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, compete uh, or take off from the free throw line or do those type of things. But. Uh, my deal was uh, at the gym was uh, throwing it in the air, throwing it off the wall, throwing it off the backboard and trying to uh, catch it in the air and dunk it. And that's how I came up with some of the repertoire dunks. Uh, 
-hmm. in high school and college when uh, after you play like 30 games mm -hmm. then there's a dunk contest of uh, who can you know outdo each other in a dunk contest after we finish playing now spud you put up good numbers at wilmer hutchins but still that being said because of size I hear that only one college coach, Abe Lemons of Texas, came to your one of to one of your games, and you didn't get offered any scholarships. Yeah, that's true. My uh, uh, this guy uh, Bill Blakely, which ended up being my agent, he he called Abe Lemons. I guess they were uh, good friends to come see me play. Uh -huh. And the one game he come see me play, man, his team stalled the ball the whole game. And like <laughs> <laughs> it's like even when they had the ball, they had a guy standing next to me and. I think the score was like 23 to 27 uh, and I had 23 other points and and it was averaging like uh 30 some 40 points a game but um but at the end of that year though that was the year Abe Lemon uh, uh got fired so the other coach didn't want to go up and down he wanted to slow it down so mm -hmm. I I couldn't stay it I would have went to Texas but uh, uh -huh. you know because you know didn't know what no other schools recruited me and you're down at University of Houston. They had the five slammer jam. Like, where are you going to play on that team? <laughs> <laughs> so you end up going five hours away. You go to Midland College outside of Odessa. Um, you lead those chaparrales to the 1982 National Junior College Championships, bud. And then the next season, you were the National Junior College Player of the Year. So with that being said, did the four-year schools come banging down your door with scholarship offers in? Yeah, the funny thing is uh, – I uh, ran into coach at uh, Midland, which was a good friend of mine today. We play golf together, Jared Stone. Uh, he came to me at an all-star game, uh, high school all-star game, and go, you want to come to Midland? It was like, that's the only place I have to go. <laughs> so I ended up going to Midland, and it was about – we had about 15 uh, – under. we had about 15 guys start out. By the time we got to conference, we had like – nine guys come on man we couldn't even practice we had to train to practice with us but we went to our conference i think we may have lost one game during the conference mm -hmm. got to the finals uh which is uh uh the final four for junior colleges and we played the number one team uh that won it last year then we played the up and coming team and then we played the number one team in the country which was miami Dade north uh they had um al harford's dad was on that team Ooh, Tito. <laughs> Tito was on that team, and they we looked down there, and all of them six four, six ten. We was like, our coach was like, "Quit looking down there. We're gonna run them off the court." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that championship game, I scored thirty six points, and uh, we won in double overtime. And and uh, no, no, nobody came knocking next year when you play of the year, all American. And uh, and out of the blue, uh, Tom Abetta Marco from NC State came, uh, which which. Jim Valvano was the coach when they had just won it in 83. Right. And uh, I guess some guy, uh, I ain't going to call his name a college, but <laughs> decided at the last minute not to go to NC State. And uh, that's how I got to go to NC State. I probably was the only point guard in America without a scholarship at the time. <laughs> Opportunity is is the mother of invention for you, brother. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow. So so you guys take care of Tito Horford. I love uh, – you said so the tra the trainer had to, to play. Could, you, could the trainer hoop? No. <clears throat> no. no. He so he it's nine, there's yeah. nine players and a trainer, and you, get, and you still won yeah. it all. Yeah, all right, so are. you get to NC State. You do what you did there. You're going against big-time competition. You end up getting drafted in the fourth round, Spud, by the Pistons, mm -hmm. which which back then you're the 87th player taken, mm -hmm. but you end up getting cut uh, by the Pistons before the season starts. So tell me, uh, 
what goes through your mind when that happened and how did the Atlanta Hawks reach out to you as a free agent? Yeah, that's funny because, you know, we like at NC State, we won game. Uh, Chris Mullen and, and uh, Walter Barry and them beat us to go to the Final Four at St. John's. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you, you that's it, your college. And my, my Jay, which is the guy that tried to get me to go to the University of Texas, called me. Bill Blakely goes, uh, uh, the Gold Trotters are calling. Uh-huh. But I want you to play in the NBA. And I guess he was calling around for teams. And, uh, and uh, Detroit drafted me in the fourth round, which is only two now. You'd have been a free right. agent right. Uh, at the time. But I, I never went to Detroit. So uh, okay. I guess okay. they were just trying to get them picks out to it. Oh, I got you. <laughs> so okay. okay. Then okay. I signed what he was telling me, the, you know, the Lakers or the, uh, the Hawks was interested. And he said, you probably have a better chance of making a team with, with Atlanta. But okay. they had drafted Cedric Tony in the first round. And mm-hmm. then when I got there, Doc got hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. So I ended up starting the first game because Doc Rivers was hurt. Okay. All right. Oh, man. All right. So, again, you're 22 years old, Spud. You're a rookie free agent on the Hawks. <laughs> Did you have the confidence at that moment that a 12-year NBA career was in your future? No, mine was uh, wasn't no process. <laughs> wasn't no uh, oh, I got three years. I can lo- I can load manage you. No, 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 no. Uh, I didn't think how long you know you'll play. It was mm-hmm. you know day to day that uh, you try to go out there and prove that you belong. But I just always thought I belong because the guys I was playing with in high school, they go to college. Guys in college go to pro, and I was playing against them. I was like, well, no, why not give it? A shot i'm better i'm just as good as those guys so uh, uh the opportunity came in atlanta and they had a bunch of <laughs> scores yes, and, they uh, did. and the tree was the only one playing defense so uh <laughs> i like man you get the ball to the people you know you can you know you can fit in here i know i could score with the opportunity uh or shoot the ball and stuff like that but that's how after the first week you know how they do the rookies well back then when it was mm-hmm. for real Make right. you bring the newspaper, bring, you know, donuts and right. coffee for tree and everybody. And about to the first week, they We're cut you off. Of, yes. Yeah, they could. No, the rook, he, he, he not doing that no more. He passed the ball. Oh, right. So, so you're, you're okay then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me, let's, let's, let's go down that vein just, just a little bit because you understand that definitely during that time, you know, rookies are to be seen. And not herds, but right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're just trying to fit in where you can get in in the work environment. So we keep it one thousand percent real here on the podcast. And uh, and uh, so for the next couple of minutes, I'm I'm gonna walk you through a little something here. Now we're not gonna use real names on this, okay? Just <laughs> just for this next couple of minutes, part part of this story. And if I got something wrong, you just tell me if I'm I'm lying or stuff. So is it true that you had? really hadn't had any uh, taste of alcohol or drink until you were a rookie in the NBA? No, I, I've never had alcohol until I was probably like 38, 39 years old. Oh, okay, all right. I still have never had a beer. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so there's that. And again, I'm not going to call you naive because you're from the fixed city. You're from, you're from Dallas. You're just, you're a good-hearted person. You are who you are. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that being the case, it's my understanding that one of your veteran teammates early on was coming to your room on the early road trips and he would bring his uh, a female cousin to your room. And because this veteran said he had like an emergency or something to do, he needed his cousin 
to stay uh, with you for a little while. You're kind of going to babysit for a while. And, and, and that happened maybe a, a, a couple of times. So far, am I kind of true? You're doing good. I, I look, you know, I do my investigating and I didn't get this from me. All right. So let's, all right. So anyway, you go on the few, few of these road trips. And again, you're the rookie and you're keeping his cousin in there. So Spud Webb, here's my question for you. How many road trips or how many cousins did it take for you to realize that these weren't his damn cousins <laughs> and these were not blood relatives and you were just hiding them out in the room till he could manage some things? How long yeah. did that take? Oh, it took the, almost the whole whole year <laughs> and some more years. <laughs> like, how many cousins they got? They didn't take your tickets too. <laughs> Oh Rook god. don't need his tickets. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. That's his trip. Again, we left the name out on that on purpose. I have to actually uh, you know, a lot of people are listening to us. Some of this will be seen, but I gotta wipe my glasses <laughs> off on that one. So I'm about to start crying. But that's just tremendous. All right, that's spectacular. Let's get back to the focus of today's episode. <laughs> hey, 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 my cousin needs to stay in here with you for a little bit. I'll be back in a couple hours. It's all right. Like, and so you never saw him kissing the cousins or anything. So that's that would have gave no. it away. But no, uh, they wouldn't let the rook. They wouldn't let the rook go that far. <laughs> let me tell you something. You're just a good-hearted man. All right, here we go. Um, we're going back to the weekend of February eighth, nineteen eighty-six. All-star festivities are at Reunion Arena in Dallas, your hometown. Surprisingly, the league had invited a five-foot-seven-inch free agent to take part in the slam dunk competition. I know. And I don't know if you know, hey, it's a hometown guy. They're thinking sideshow. Does that go through your mind at all? Oh, definitely. When uh, when Stan Casting came to me uh, like a week before the dunk contest, he was like, I want to change your number to 0.4 and put you in a dunk contest. And I was <laughs> like, nah, man, uh, I'm not no sideshow like that. But he said, okay, well, we'll, we'll, well, I want you to be in dunk. I said, cool, because I knew the, you know, the dunks I could do. Uh -huh. But nobody else did. And nobody on the team did because – Right. You know, it wasn't like we got a chance to sit around on YouTube or Google right. this and that and right. see dunks. And basically you was trying to, you know, still make make the team and, and uh stay on the team and stuff like that. So and plus uh Doc Rivers had us rookies after practice trying to teach us how to get over pick and rolls and shoot free throws and all that stuff because you know, he was coaching us then, like you're gonna be on this team, this is what you're gonna do. Mm -hmm. You know, so um I just didn't didn't, didn't uh, sit around dunking it uh, after games. Mm -hmm. I mean, after uh, practices and stuff like that. So they never knew. So here's the reason why one of the reasons that the top of this interview, I bring up Wilmer Hutchins and the fact <clears throat> that you dunked at five three for the first time as a senior in high school. Because after mm -hmm. that moment in high school, when you did dunk, Anthony, you were in nine dunk contests that nobody knows about. And not only were you in nine dunk contests, you had won all nine dunk contests. So it isn't like you mm -hmm. just had no skill at what you're about to do. Yeah, from high school to uh, high school all-star games. Uh, rec uh, centers in, in Dallas. <laughs> rec centers in Dallas to, uh, you know, going overseas after my rookie year. Uh -huh. You know, you, you had to dunk wherever you went. So. Oh yeah, it was it was then, but it just came natural, and you know I started thinking about it a lot. Like, man, these people are not going to recognize me as a basketball player. And then they want you to be a sideshow all the time, so that's why I stopped doing it. Stop. So before we get to the to, before we get to the actual competition, 
again, it's in Dallas, so you're at home. Maybe your biggest pressure of the whole weekend is securing tickets for your three sisters, your two brothers, and your parents. Is that accurate? <laughs> no, I need no? about 50. <laughs> oh, I, I'm coming up a little short. <laughs> yeah, I needed I needed a lot of tickets, but uh, I had a buddy here that I had a ticket ticket uh, agency, and he helped me out. I, I still don't know time out, name. time out. Ticket agency, or was he a scalper? He was scout. Okay, all right, okay, I got you. <laughs> no, he, he actually had office, but okay. uh, uh, he helped help them out a lot. I I really today, me and him talk about it on the golf course, and he, I still don't know how many tickets he probably gave people. Another thing folks need to understand as as we kind of time shift here or, or, or make an understanding of the time is that it's hard to believe now because the NBA is covered live by over 200 countries, uh, the, the Internet and, and everything. And Spud alluded to YouTube there. But in the early 80s, the NBA finals were on tape delay on CBS. That's at 1130 after the game was over. So if you're watching your local sportscast, the 11 o'clock news, the sportscaster at 1120, whenever sports comes on, says, OK, uh, I got the results of the NBA finals. And if you if you're going to watch the game, you're going to want to close your eyes for 20 seconds or put your hands over your ears while I give the score. That's how we as basketball heads watch the game. So that's how that's how far we've come. And, and I bring all that up and, and say that. But I believe before the slam dunk on All Star Saturday night. I think I saw you on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson on Friday the night before, which is a huge deal for the for the NBA. So, did you fly to LA the night before? Yeah, speaking of that, um, you know, like yeah, watch the games eleven o'clock. That's how I, you know found out about Dr. J. It's watching those late games. Mm -hmm. Wanted to you know be like Dr. J, but um, the night before the dunk contest, I was already a. Uh, set up weeks i guess to do the johnny carson show and you know you tell people or if you remember johnny carson yes you're a o yes. but uh then if there wasn't many shows out so if you made johnny carson Ooh. you really you know you Ooh. it's hard to get on johnny carson yes so the night before i flew to la on friday night did the johnny carson show and he i had to catch a helicopter to uh to the airport Burbank <laughs> yeah wow. to to uh to get back to the airport and then catch a flight red eye Ooh. back to Dallas on Saturday morning lucky I was 22 years old and then they had the dunk contest that day so and you was in your hometown it's not like you could just come in and go to sleep no I need you to come to this high school I right. need you to come to this boys and girls right. club the family want to cook a meal so uh you know, you you didn't have time to like get any rest, man. And uh, uh, probably, uh, you know, for the dunk contest, man, I was running on fumes. <laughs> so this is this is again, this is the setup to the Saturday night thing. And among the participants, as you all well know, <laughs> but it's worth saying, among the participants is a defending slam dunk champion, six foot eight inch, two hundred and twenty five pound, the human highlight film. Mm -hmm your teammate, Dominique Wilkins. Now, now here's uh, Spud. Here's where I get to add my, my Atlanta <laughs> ex expertise here, right? And, and I can use names here because uh, these are direct quotes, all right? Dominique has supreme confidence. There's no doubt about that. Most right. professional athletes do. But Dominique, in becoming the champion the previous year, among the people that he slayed was his hero. 
and mine, Dr. J, right? So Dominique is so Dominique has no second thoughts about him going to win the championship again. And as Dominique has told me with his own mouth, okay, so that's why I'm saying this right now. He says that he asked Bud, I'm like, oh, by the way, you practice for this thing? And you said, no. He's like, okay, cool. And we know Dominique, says, so he's gone on to other thinking about other things and stuff. And as he said to me, I seen Spud's first dunk. And I'm like, shit, he lied. He didn't practice. <laughs> and and yeah. Spud, now your first, your first dunk actually went through the hoop, hit you in the head and bounced up. Mm-hmm. And some, a lot of people missed the fact that that was a good dunk. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, the funny thing about that when Nick, you know, everybody <laughs> knows Nick is going to win the dunk contest. Right. You know, it's Nick. He just went through right. with, with Michael and uh, Dr. J and all those guys, Larry Nance. So um, he came over to me the dunk contest. Don't hold back. Just do you, you know, do, do you, you didn't try to get me out of the way. Like you just try to get me out of the way. Just, you know, do your dunk. And, you know, and, uh, you know, being a big brother, because we were together, you know, like every day, all day. If he wasn't, right. we wouldn't have to eat together lunch breakfast. I was over his house. His mom then was cooking and everything else. So, mm-hmm. uh, we were, I mean, I mean, 20, I mean, we were together all the time. Right. So he just looking out for me, you know, basically trying to tell him, you know, don't embarrass yourself, you know, right, get your right. dog, get out of the way and let, let, let the highlight let, come. Let the big know. dog, let the big dog <laughs> <Yeah>. see. <laughs> But uh, you know, he's looking at me like, you know, damn, where you, you get all that from, you know? But uh, I couldn't practice, man. I was so busy trying to make the team. Mm-hmm. And then when you, like I said, the week before we were playing and I had to fly to L.A. So I didn't I didn't get a chance to practice. All the dunks I was doing was like I was just coming up with them as, oh, as I went goodness. along. Oh, my goodness. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and look, what he told you, you mentioned Big Brother stuff. So his brother, Gerald Wilkins, is also in the slam dunk competition. Mm-hmm. And the competitor that, that Dominique is, he would have said the same thing to oh, Gerald. Yeah. Yeah, oh, hey, uh, just, okay. Yeah. I've I seen him when we played the Knicks up at times. I've seen him go harder at, at Gerald than he did some other guys. But in, in, in the dunk contest, man, you know, Nick, he's probably the best dunker ever. So mm-hmm. he's not expecting to lose, man. I right. mean, you know, it's like sometime in the warm up, treating him used to, uh, Doc used to tell Nick to stop dunking to save some energy. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, the guy loves to dunk. Yes, sir. All right. So in the crowd at Reunion Arena, 16,573. And these are your people, too. Your first dunks, you walk up to the basket. You kind of measure it off. And again, as I said, reverse two-hand that goes through the rim and hits you in the head. Did you understand that the judges, and, and maybe the judges, and uh, let's go, judges are, are uh, Cassie Russell, Tom Sanders, Dave Cowens from NBA, uh, Martina Navratilova, the tennis great, and also Roger Staubach. You got to be more fired up that Roger's there than anything. Oh, yeah. Are you aware that the, the, the judges might not have known the ball got, went through? Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I don't think they, uh, I think they were shocked. Plus, I double pumped it. Yes, you did. And, uh, and then dunked it backwards. So uh, I don't even know if they were paying attention or not. I asked Kaz that one day. I said, Kaz, man, I didn't get a 50 off that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, you know, you just wanted to, you know, bring some excitement to it. Uh, you know, letting the folks know uh, how far you got to go. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, two-handed dunks and one-handed dunks that day because you know I couldn't palm the ball. Right. So you end up getting a forty-six on that because they missed it. Uh, your second, 
you did a reverse one hand. Uh, you get 48 on that. And then for your last dunk of that opening round, it's the double pump two-hander. And you only got a 47. And I've never asked you this before, but I I think I could tell you were pissed. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a 47. It was definitely a 15. Well, yeah, because, man, uh, that's why they shouldn't let people that don't dunk being judges. It's like it's hard to do that dunk with with uh, two hands uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know double pump and and uh, and then you know just not squeezing the end. There were good dunks and never mm -hmm. and I you know I thought it was a pretty good dunk. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I don't know if they thought I was trying to save a best dunk for last, but they never seen what I do, so <laughs> it, it couldn't have been that. Well, the good part is that you advance to the semifinals, and the semifinals are Terrence Stanberry. Mm -hmm. uh, Gerald Wilkins, who had actually gone prop by putting a chair, chair in and 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 I know you got to be thinking, oh boy, we got a problem here. And then Stansberry actually used the chair and put a buddy in there and yeah. dunked over that. And yes. you and Dominique, but with all of that, uh, your first dunk of the second round, they say you pass to the top of the key. And here's what here's here's where I go with your your bounce with the ball. Pass it to the top of the key. Ball bounces up, and you reverse slam for a fifty. And this is your first dunk of the second round. Yeah, um, you We're know, not playing. Trying to get it over with because I know Dominique <laughs> got a lot of stuff left. I was like, okay, let me use deal because only thing I got really left is uh, uh, the bounce it <clears throat> with a three sixty, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, bounce it off the floor and the backboard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, after that, man, I, I'm about out of dunk. I hope Dominique out of dunks, you know. So um, probably could have came up because I had Calvin Murphy there. He was in my ear. Do this dunk. Do this dunk. Like <laughs> after you, after you won, Calvin is, is is one of the first people that came up and hugged you too. <laughs> yeah, but he, during the dunk, doing it, he was he was pretty. Oh, he, okay. He was on the sideline giving giving pretty good uh you know cheering me on too. Very strong. Okay, so you and Dominique advance to the final round. So here we go. <laughs> it's you and your teammate, defending champ. Your first dunk, one handed three sixty hmm. for the fifty. That had to feel spectacular, man. Oh yeah, because I, I it was a perfect dunk, you know. Yes, uh, uh, you know, I it, it, I couldn't execute it any better. Uh, and I can tell Dominique when I look going to the sideline, he over there just cussing too. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's funny for me, and look, I know folks have seen this on YouTube, and if and if they have, they're gonna go look at it now. When the competition starts, and it's also a great of of, of the great one between Dominique and, and 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 MJ later on in the beginning. The guys are all sitting right next to each other, Neek, MJ, mm -hmm. and I. And for 1986, in the beginning, Dominique is laying baseline, and you're laying baseline to him. Two friends, two peas in a pod, right mm -hmm. together. Me, mm -hmm. hermano, two hermano. Guess what? Final round, Neek ain't nowhere close to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, did, I think he got. Uh, he was mad, boy. He was mad. I think he didn't get. He didn't get a fifty on that one. And uh huh. And uh, and uh, then uh, I came back. If I can remember, I did the one off the floor, off the floor in the backboard, and they gave me a fifty. Mm -hmm. And but uh, you missed, but you, but you missed before missed that. Missed one, so yeah. You missed one, yeah. so you have to make that third. So there's only yeah, two dunks in the, in the final round. So yeah. to me, there's unbelievable <clears throat> pressure on you to make sure you do that last one. Was there any thought in your mind to do an easier dunk? Because you end up doing the no, same no, no. one. Oh, no, it okay. wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> because. Um, because uh, that's the dunk that I started, you know, how to dunk. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, to throw it up in the air and go get it. So uh, I was, I was going to stick with that one. Oh, that was beautiful, man. That was that was awesome. So how long did it take Nick to talk to you after you won? I mean, I know he congratulated you there on TV, but how long oh, was he mad? Oh, he was hot. He was hot. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the funny thing is when we the next, uh, you know, practice, we getting on the bus and, you know, Doc Rivers and them, they all, I mean, they just waiting on Nick to get on the bus, man. And they like, you know, uh, uh, let the champ on first and uh, oh. all this here. And then, you know, they, they, that boy, they would give him. Nick was hot too, boy. Oh. They were like, first play of the game, we running for Spud, not Dominique. He the champ. <laughs> oh, man, they were, they was treating all those guys, man. They were oh. cliffing them. They were landing on him hard. He was hot. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing. Not only do you just win it at home, so you get first place, $12,500. And look, we don't really talk money here, but you, I, you've been a great investor. You've been a smart investor. You're holding at the age of 22, your salary in the NBA is $70,000. Dominique's yeah. salary is $585,000. So that $12,000 check, man, that's, that's, I can't do the math because I went to a Pac-10 party school, but I, that's a big chunk of what you would have made that year, man. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a lot of money back then. Cause <laughs> I had two roommates in uh, I mean, you know, in wow. uh, in uh, an apartment. So <laughs> that helped us. Me, it was me, John Battle, and, and uh-huh. God rest his soul, Lorenzo Charles. We were we had no money. We 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 were uh, you know, three three roommates in, the, in an right. apartment. Can right. you imagine that today? <laughs> no, uh, having two roommates as an NBA player. <laughs> So no. and that was when it was a, like a 50% tax bracket. So you didn't take oh. home anything. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is crazy, man. Uh, well, man, again, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's The competition is really for the fans. And it's a memory uh, for all of us all these years later. Um, years after that, and again, you're 5'7". We're going to go with what's in the book, right? But years mm-hmm. later, uh, Nate Robinson, who goes by 5'9", uh, when he wins it in, I believe, the 2006, he brings mm-hmm. you out. And he's yeah. already wearing number four, Spud, not point four. He's wearing four like you. But he brings you out of the crowd, and uh, you put on your number four, and then he ends up jumping over you to get a 50. But not just that, the fact that you bounced the ball for the pass. Mm-hmm. And now as we've talked to you all this time about your history with the bounce and everything – there's no question you're going to give a perfect bounce pass. But to people sitting at home watching that, <laughs> Nate Robinson, they're like, I hope Spud don't mess it. Man, you could you could do the bounce pass in your sleep. Yeah, it was, I mean, I played with a lot of guys that could jump. And then, uh, you know, it was real easy with Dominique. You can put it anywhere near the rim with Dominique, and he, he does it in bounce passes. But uh, like you say, that's how I learned how to dunk, too, bouncing the ball off the, mm-hmm. off the floor and the backboard and stuff. But the uh, funny thing about Nate is, I, I stopped going to dunk uh, the All-Star games. Uh, mm-hmm. Most time, uh, some of the guys get through coaching. We were going on golf trips, so we never went to All-Star games. Right. And uh, when I was when Nate was in college, people would call me, ah, man, you got to see this guy. He plays like you. He jumps out the gym. And uh, then he went to New York, and my best buddy up there was Herb Williams. He like, right. Man, you got to see this little kid. He did a cartwheel at practice and dunk. You know? <laughs> Unbelievable. So when the dunk contest came, Nate, his, his agent called, then New York called. Like, man, I play golf every day. I'm not going to every an all-star day. game. Single and, handicap. Um, let, let me add single handicap, too. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> well, keep, keep going. And so uh, 
his, uh, I think the PR director for the Knicks said, Spud Million, uh, they, 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 they got me calling you again. I said, look here, I'm coming to Houston to play in a golf tournament. And, uh, and uh, if it if it come to that, Nate, then they say, yeah, man, if you come, I need to use you to get in. If if I get in the finals, I want to use you at this prop. I said, okay, cool. We meet up, walks in the gym. I mean, we wasn't in there like three minutes, man. The dude, like, he wants you. I want you to stand right here, just bounce it. I'm gonna come catch it and dunk over. He did it like he went in the gym like five minutes, man. He come did on. it like five times in a row. Oh. And didn't even touch me not one time. And Reggie Ooh. Miller was over there with TNT doing something like, "Oh, I got, I see what y'all doing." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny though. Uh, Eagle Dollar, I think it was Eagle Dollar was doing so well he couldn't even wait to to use me to in the finals. Mm-hmm. He had to use me. Um, yes, he did before to get in the finals. And man, on the first one we we did it in perfect and awesome. And he uh, winning and. And on the way to the press conference, Charles Barkley was like, you may be the stupidest person ever to help a guy win a dunk contest. <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. But Nate, he's a good dude. He, he's yes, a good sir. kid. So uh, we've been friends ever since. So uh, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool to see him uh, win a bunch of dunk contests. You know, I, a long time ago, I used to do uh, Friday Night Fights for ESPN. So uh, you just keep him out of the ring, okay? I'm oh, no, no question. I, yeah. I told him. I said, that's that's not our SA Forte. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Not to make anything bad. So, Spud, uh, real quick before I let you go, um, what at what age did you start playing playing golf? And and you mentioned Herb Williams, and I've been lucky enough to be on the courts with, with both you guys. Golf is not a big man's game. Uh, Herb Williams has the nicest touch of anybody that's damn near seven feet I've ever seen yeah. uh, traps or whatever and stuff and been out there with you. When did you pick up golf and how long did it take you to, to kind of master it like you have? Yeah, man, I kind of picked it up. Uh, my junior college coach, when um, he used to, we used to go out and talk about going to schools, mm-hmm. he always wanted him to meet him at the driving range. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of picked it up that way. And then uh, me and Ron Harper became, me and Doc Rivers used to go on off days. Yes. Uh, and, and hit balls and stuff like that. But then when me and Ron Harper became friends, we started taking trips together. And we were in Miami one day, man, and we both look awful. I mean, awful out there, you know. Uh-huh. And then from then on, I started reading about it. I started reading. And the person I started reading about was Payne Stewart. So I tried to, you know, oh, gotcha. his stuff that he does and stuff like that. So that's how I got to playing golf and uh, teaching myself how to play is through watching uh, uh Paige Stewart and reading about what he say about golf and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm, man. So, but now, you know, I can't find no guy that was taking all my money back then. Uh-huh. So I can't find him to win my money back because along me coming away of learning to play, right. uh, they took a lot of money from me. So right, right. I'm, I've been looking for all those guys to get my money back that I can play now. <laughs> well, that's the that's the that's the downside of being a single handicapper, man. No, but no, 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 you don't get the money back. That's not how it works. <laughs> Yeah. No, they don't want to play you down. But, man, I appreciate you taking some time, man. And, uh, again, it's great to to relive this and hear about uh, uh, some of your thoughts. Uh, I don't think we beat up on the Hall of Famer too bad there. We're just telling some stories, <laughs> good, good stories there. But I beat, hey. up, I beat up on him the other day. Uh, I told him uh, we were talking because they had a bunch of slam dunkers on this Zoom. And I was like, man, uh-huh. if you don't give me any cigars with your name on them, I'm going to tell more stories about you. Good call there. Very, very (laughs) sharp. 
But stay safe down there in Texas, man. And uh, it's always good to talk to you. We got much love for you here in Atlanta, as always, man. And I will see you soon, brother. All right. Thanks, Andre. All right. Thanks a lot. Once again, Anthony Spud Webb joined us here on a toast to the A-Town. And uh, I tell you, there is nothing to add after all of that. Great stuff from him. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for joining us for episode six of A Toast to the A-Town. I'm Andre Aldridge. This is presented to you by the, by the Basketball Podcast Network. And I will see you right here, folks, next time. <laughs>